Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri, and I am so happy to have your time and attention for the next 30 minutes or so, whether it's your first time listening or you've listened to all the episodes so far. I'm really excited to have you here. And today I have a guest, Portia Wofford, who I am very excited to introduce to you. She is the owner and creator of the business, The Right Nurse. So she is a healthcare writer in addition to being a nurse. So before we get into the interview, I want to give a little bit about Portia's bio. You'll hear more during the interview, of course. So Portia is an experienced nurse, professional writer, and self-proclaimed word junkie. And she originally got her start writing when she was working as a home health nurse, and she wanted to find a better way to improve patient outcomes and kind of meet them where they were at in terms of their health literacy. So she eventually turned this into a side hustle as a nurse writer, and you'll hear that this is soon to become her full-time job. And as CEO of PW Enterprises, which is her writing business, she manages a team of nurse writers. She not only manages them, but she also mentors them into becoming nurse writers with their own businesses. And as you will hear in the second half of the interview today, Portia also shares about her lived experience as a Black woman and mother to a Black son, and specifically how she has been affected by the civil unrest of 2020. She also has some calls to action for both non-Black and Black nurses, as we commit together to active anti-racism, which is really a, a mainstay of my business and brand. I want to be amplifying voices of Black individuals and also inspiring and encouraging everyone in my community to kind of take a pledge to work on being more and more actively anti-racist, which is a job that is never finished, but work that always needs to be done. So let's get right into the episode. I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, Portia. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. My pleasure. So I've introduced you a little bit already, but I would love to hear in your own words, who is Portia? Tell us a little bit about your nursing story and how you got to this point in your life. Sure. Um, so I originally, when I, all of my life growing up, like nursing was not on my radar. I never wanted to be a nurse. Actually, my best friend in high school was going to school to be a nurse. And I always asked her, why do you, you know, why do you want to be a nurse? Why do you want to do that when you can do something else? So nursing was never on my radar. I always wanted to do something with politics. So I actually went to school. When I went to school, I was majoring in criminal justice and English because I had an idea that I was going to do like forensic science or, you know, I was going to be like join the CIA or FBI or something like that when I graduated from college. So that was never on my radar growing up. I knew lots of nurses. My mom's best friend was a nurse. My great aunt was a nurse. My grandmother actually was a nursing assistant until she retired. So I was always around people in the nursing industry, but it never was, it just never dinged on me that nursing was something that I could do. 
my freshman year of, of college, when we got out for the um, winter Christmas break, that little break, I ended up, my great grandmother died for one. Um, and then I ended up in the hospital. So I ended up in ICU for about two weeks, a very traumatic experience. And I was not able to go back to school the next semester. I actually had to, you know, go through, a lot, go through therapy and go through a lot of things. And so the nurses that I had when I was in the ICU, they were just phenomenal people. They were, they were really great. You know, I never really knew what a nurse did. You know, I, I saw things on TV. I kind of heard things that people said, but I never really knew one-on-one. I never had been in a hospital before then. So I never knew exactly what a nurse did on that side. But those nurses were so great. They were just, you know, they were so personable. They were so compassionate. They went above and beyond, you know, because at that time I was 18, almost 19. And so they would do things like I wouldn't eat. I didn't want to eat things. I would take my tray and I would pretend that I would eat, like throw my food away and things like that. And they would, say, they would do things like, what do you eat? What do you eat when you're at home? And they would go and buy me food. They would bring me sweets. They would bring me things just so I could eat. They would talk to me. One of the nurses, I had a male nurse who asked me, what did I like to do? And I told him I love to write. So he bought me a journal and brought the journal to me so that I could write, you know, my feelings down. And so when I was got out of that and I was able to go back to school and I was trying to decide, you know, what am I going to go back to school for? What, what am I going to do? Um, I decided that nursing was what I needed to do because I realized that if I had someone like those nurses for me, that I could potentially change another young girl's life. So I just knew that I needed to be in the right place at the right time to change someone's life. And I felt that nursing was the best path for me because eventually I could potentially come across someone who was in the same situation that I was in. And so that's how I I got into nursing. That's awesome. That's such a powerful story to kind of have your own personal experience. And I think that probably a lot of nurses have had some sort of personal experience that has gotten them into the field, whether it was something that was on their radar or not. And something that's really unique about you and your story is that your nursing career has evolved, not only in the clinical sense, but in your writing business. So I would love for you to kind of elaborate on why and how you got into writing, uh, if whether it was something planned or did it fall into your lap. It sounds like this was something that was always a part of your life from a young age, but how and when did you kind of marry the nursing and writing fields? Um, yeah, I, I've always loved to write ever since I was probably five or six years old. I remember like, right, I, I, was, I would always write poetry when I was younger growing up. Um, it's just it was a way for me to express myself. I was always a quiet kind of kid and a loner, didn't have many friends. And so writing kind of just took me out of my reality, you know, and I could always write. I would always write stories and I always loved to write. As a matter of fact, when I was in the middle school, um, I wrote like an entire like poetry exhibit in my middle school library. Like they posted that poetry exhibit and it was it was still up, you know, Um even when my son was in school. So I just love to write, but that wasn't something that I thought that I could do. I didn't think I could make a career out of that. One, you know, people in my family would say, that's not a good idea for you to try to go to school and be a writer. How many writers do you know? Um, You're not going to be able to make money. You need a career that, that you'll be able to always find a job. So um, even though I, I minored in English, I still never felt like that was something that I would do. I never felt like I would be a writer. I could have a job out of that. And so I kind of would still write things, but 
it was more of a hobby. It wasn't, you know, something that I felt that I can make money from a build a career out of. And so when I came into nursing, I eventually started working for a home health agency. One of my nurse friends was a was a case manager and she was telling me they were hiring nurses. She thought it would be a really good fit for me because she knows I love to teach people. And so I went to home health, loved home health. And for your listeners, um, I saw like six or seven patients a day. 30 minutes apiece. I was just driving to people's homes. The area that I worked in is actually the area that I was born and raised in. So, you know, I would meet people who knew my grandmother and my granddad and my parents. And so I was very comfortable with that. But what I found was that a lot of my patients, you know, the goal of, of home health is to teach the patients and their families about their disease processes and what they can do to prevent hospital stays. But a lot of my patients kept going back into the hospital and I could not understand why um, because I, I, you know, I, I consider myself a really great teacher. I knew how to break things down so that people can understand that that's a gift that I've always had. And so what I did was I started to ask them, are you not understanding what I'm teaching you? Is there something else that I could do to make it where you understand? And what I realized was that a lot of those people could not read or write very well. And so me coming in with my nursing and medical and healthcare lingo did not help them to, to understand where they need to be. I need I realized I need to meet them where they were at. I didn't need to try to make them come to where I was. And so I would rewrite a lot of the patient material that they would give us at the agency. I would break it down into terms they could understand. And I saw a, a decrease in their hospital stays. And I saw you know, my patients were getting better and they were understanding how to take care of themselves. And so I figured, you know, I wonder if this is something that I can do on the side to make more money. Because at that time I was full time at the home health agency and I had a PRN gig, which was causing me to miss out on a lot with my son. And I wasn't happy about that. You know, I always wanted to be that that soccer mom and that mom that was yelling at all the baseball and football games. <laughs> and so I wasn't happy with missing out on time with him. And so I was looking for something that wasn't necessarily nursing, but something that I can make the same amount of money to kind of supplement the income so that I could be with my son. And so I just started Googling, can a nurse have a, can a nurse be a writer? Can a nurse be a blogger? Ways nurses can make money writing. And I just started from there. I started a little small blog and I was just talking about my home health journey because home health is super funny. You have some interesting stories. And then I decided I was going to reach out to different platforms and different organizations to see if I could potentially write for them as a contractor, as an independent contractor, as a freelance writer is what we call it in the writing world, freelance writing. And I landed my first gig with a um, platform that's geared towards nurses. And then from there, I was kind of able to take those samples and reach out to other organizations and platforms and, and just build my writing business that way, just simply um, reaching out to people, networking with different people and kind of build it to where it is now. That's amazing. And I think that your writing career is phenomenal. Like anyone who pays attention to any <laughs> nurse platform content, I feel like I I see your byline everywhere, which is is amazing. And I feel like this is popular these days, this being nurses exploring alternative non-bedside careers. And I think there's a whole host of reasons, whether it's burnout or, you know, parents who want to be home more with their kids. You know, you and I can definitely relate to that. And I know now you mentor up and coming future nurse writers. And I'm wondering, what are you seeing that's kind of like the main motivator for other nurses to get into the writing space? 
I think it's the same as you and I, I think a lot of nurses are, are burned out and they want to use their skills. They want to use their nursing knowledge and education, but they don't necessarily want to do it in a nursing job, quote unquote, nursing job. They kind of want to see what else there is out there. I know other nurses who have businesses that are you know, not writing businesses, but there are a lot of nurse entrepreneurs that I know. And it all most of them started because they were burned out. Or something happened at their job where they lost their job or, you know, they felt so degraded or berated at their job. They just realized they couldn't do this anymore. And so with nurse writers, I found that a lot of them, one, a lot of them have loved to write for a while. And they were like me and didn't understand or they didn't know that it's possible to use your nursing skills to make money for writing. And then two, a lot of them just want something different. You know, they're tired of the bedside or they're burnt out or they they feel like they're tired of nursing, but they don't want to kind of give up nursing at the same time. So they're try- trying to you know find their way and find something that they can still help people with and they can still make money. But it's not necessarily bedside nursing. Yeah, for sure. You and I kind of have similar stories in terms of how we started. So before I got into resume writing, I had a very similar experience in the sense that I wanted to see, was there anything that I could do for extra income that could supplement what I was already doing, mainly so that I could stay home more with my kids and go part-time clinically? Uh, and so I was doing those same Google searches, like, can a nurse be a writer? How, do, how does a nurse start a blog? And I did a variety of different freelance writing um, opportunities as a nurse as an NP before I kind of explored my niche and got into more of like the career writing. Do you feel like you have a specialty when it comes to nurse writing or are you more of a generalist? I consider myself a generalist. I can write about anything, but I think most of my most of my clients find me because they want me to do write something about nursing. So they kind of call me the nurse who writes about nursing, which I'm fine with that. <laughs> I love doing that because I know hundreds of probably thousands of nurses, you know, with, with social media, I know tens of thousands of nurses. So um, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I enjoy that. I enjoy writing content. And, you know, I'm in Facebook groups and a nurse might ask a question, does anybody know about XYZ nurse? And I say, hey, I do. I wrote, a, I wrote an article about that and I can shoot them that link. I enjoy that. I enjoy on my, um, you know, I'm very active on my Instagram. I post a lot of the things that I, that I write on my Instagram and I love to see all the feedback from the nurses and I love to see that they enjoy that. So, you know, I, I'm a generalist. I can write about anything, but I kind of coined myself. So I've been coined the nurse who writes about nursing, which is totally fine with me. So I love anything that nurses can find, you know, funny, find fun. Anything that, you know, is informative or educational, anything that nurses can find some type of use out of, something that's going to help them in their day to day. I really enjoy writing about that. Um, Actually, this year, um, I personally will be transitioning out of just doing that type of content and moving more into patient or consumer information content. That's something that I've wanted to do for about a year now. And I've kind of just finally gave myself the push to go out there and do that. because I feel like there's so much content out in the Internet world that people write. And some of these people have no medical or healthcare or nursing background. They're just, you know, journalists, which is okay for journalists to write anything like that. But I feel like someone who's on the inside, someone has a little bit of knowledge should be able to write that content so that consumers can take it and they can digest it. And who better than a nurse to do that? I mean, that's what we do every day with our patients. We break down, you know, information that their doctor has given them and we kind of explain that to them. So why, you know, shouldn't we be doing that on some of these platforms that are posting, you know, consumer information? Oh, definitely. I totally agree. Hey, friend. 
Have you heard that you should be using LinkedIn, but you have no idea where to start? You are not alone. And if that's you, I would love to invite you to a live workshop that I am teaching coming up on Wednesday, November 18th. By the end of the workshop and our time together, you will have created your profile and learned how to use it to network professionally. And you'll even have made your first batch of nursing connections. Let me show you why LinkedIn is one of the most powerful social media tools out there and why you really can't afford not to be using it. So I hope to see you on Wednesday, November 18th. You can learn more and snag your spot at theresumerx.com slash LinkedIn. That's theresumerx.com slash LinkedIn, all one word. I'll see you there. Now back to the episode. And I think with nurse entrepreneurs, there's a bit of a spectrum, right? Like there's people who are still working primarily bedside and whatever their business is or their side hustle or their freelance job can be, you know, really on the side. And then you can go all the way towards the other spectrum where nurses have essentially exited clinical practice and are going all in on their businesses. Where do you fall in that spectrum? Are you still working clinically? I actually was able to leave the bedside about two years ago. I went into administration. So um, I actually have a job where I do infection prevention and control. And with COVID hitting, I've been super busy. But um, oh and I was, I'm exiting this year. So I'll be leaving and I'm, you know, getting ready to train my replacement. It's kind of bittersweet. I always thought I would still work, you know, as a nurse. I always say it doesn't matter how big this business gets. I'm going to still work as a nurse just because I love the patient interaction. I love you know, seeing people, I was out of work for six weeks for something medical. And when I came back to work, you know, the patients were like, where where have you been? We missed you. Even though I'm not bedside, I kind of, I still do rounds and teach them things. And so I always never thought I would do that, but I've become super busy. It's become so much to where my business, my writing business is kind of taking over and I don't really have time. So I, I will be exiting this year, but it's really bittersweet. But I've been planning this. I've been planning this ever since I started. I plan to at least just go part time or PRN as nursing, but I won't be able to do that anymore. So I'm excited, but I'm still nervous at the same time. Yeah, I think it's a testament to your success, really, the fact that you now have the opportunity to decide to leave your nursing job to take this business full time. I think that's really that's really exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited and I'm even more excited because I've been business has been so I've had so much business. I've been able to bring on some other nurses um, who write and just to be able to bring them on and kind of teach them the way that I write and teach them the way that my clients expect, you know, their pieces to be. And, and they've been able to write and get some bylines and get some extra money on the side, too. So I'm super excited. I've been able to help some other nurses who one never thought it was a possibility. They always a lot of them come to me and say, well, you know, no one. No one will let me write for them. I don't have any samples. I don't know how to get any samples. And so I've been able to, because my clients trust me so much, they know the type of work that I do. And they've been able to say, hey, I've been able to say, hey, I have some other nurses who potentially write for you. Would you be willing to give them a shot? And, you know, a lot of them have said, yeah. So it's been super exciting for me. That's been kind of a transition for me from going to to being the main writer to kind of being an editor and a content manager. And so that's another exciting thing I'm excited about, you know, next year to to be able to not to write so much, but to have other nurses to come in to do some of the content. That's awesome. And that reminds me of my next question is, you know, let's say there's someone listening who's a nurse or 
you know, a nursing professional, a nurse, NP, whatever, but they are also interested in writing and they've, similar to us, they've kind of always loved writing. What do you think is that next step for them? Where can they get started to explore this opportunity? The first thing I would say is just to find out what it is that you want to write. Do you want to stay in nursing? Do you want to stay in healthcare? Um, I have some nurses who say they they don't want to do anything in healthcare. They want to write about travel. They want to write write about food. You know, there's there's so, so many different things that you can write about. Is the first thing is to find out what it is that you want to write about. You know, something that you're good at, something that you feel like. I always tell the nurses who I work with, just think about if you have to do this for the next ten years, could you write about this for the next ten years and not get bored with it? And that's something that you can do, then find go for that. And then eventually you might evolve. But number one, just find out what it is that you want to write. Number two, find out what types of clients you want. Um, do you want to be a journalist where you go out and you do like feature interviews and you have to do a lot of research? Or do you want to just particularly do blogs and articles where you don't you're still doing research, but it's not so, you know, um, to me, journalism is just so formal. I've done some journalism pieces and I find out that's not what I like to do. So I don't do those anymore. So figure out what type of clients it is that, that you want to write for. And then three, just find a support system. Find someone who's done it, someone who's been there, join groups. I have a group called Nurses Who Write on Facebook. It's a free group and we go in and post different tips and little tricks. You can, you know, do courses. Um, you can join memberships. I have a membership as well for Nurses Who Write. Um, I have a course that I'll probably be relaunching this next quarter, but just go out and find some support. I feel like if I would have had that support when I first started, um, it would have been a lot easier for me than kind of just trying to find my way on my own. Yeah, for sure. Those are great tips. And I'm I'm going to be sure to link your Facebook group in the show notes. That way anyone who's interested can go there get introduced to you, get acquainted to you, because I think that you really are a phenomenal mentor to nurse writers. So that link will be in the show notes at theresumerx.com slash podcast. I want to switch gears a little bit. And on your social platforms recently, you were pretty open that 2020 has been a difficult year for you, as it has been for many, uh, but especially as a Black woman. And even before the George Floyd murder, you had written a really powerful narrative for Florence Health, which I'll also link in the show notes. And you were very candid and open about your experiences as a Black woman in healthcare and the racism that you experienced. And so I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about how the civil unrest of 2020 has affected you. Oh, yeah, sure. It's been very mentally and emotionally draining for me because. As, as you said, I am a black woman, but on top of being a black woman, I, I also have a black son. So he's 12 now. So he's just at that age where he's getting to where he can go out without his dad and I. He's getting to where, you know, he can go places with his friends. And and I'm, I'm always like super anxious, super nervous. I never really want to let him out of my sight. But as a parent, we know that we have to kind of let our kids go. And with everything that's going on in the world, even though we've talked to him about being a black man in America since he was probably five years old, we've had that conversation with him every year since then. And, you know, as a parent, you know, you don't want to have a conversation with your five year old about racism and how he might be treated differently because of who he is, no matter how good he is, no matter, you know, how kind he is, because he's such a kind, gentle boy. It's just always super hard just to talk about that. And so in 20 this year, when, you know, everything has happened, starting with George Floyd 
and he's old enough to now where he can watch TV on his own and he can kind of see what's going on in the world. It's just been super, super hard for me. And even navigating, you know, work because you go to work and you can't, you kind of have to keep your feelings tucked inside and you're angry and you're upset and you're, and you're borderline depressed because of what's going on. But you have to get to work and have a smile on your face and you have to get to work and you can't really talk about what's going on or people make statements, but you can't really say what you want to say out of fear of being labeled as aggressive, out of fear of being labeled, you know, as argumentative. And it's just been super hard for me. So I tend to, uh, before all of this happened, I would tend, you know, I would see, especially um, not so much of the job that I have now, but when I was bedside, I would see, you know, a lot of nurses, non-black nurses say things, you know, stereotypical comments about patients or, you know, they would do things like I, I have natural hair, which means I don't relax my hair for your listeners who might not know. So my, my hair is in this natural kinky coily state most of all the time you know when non-black nurses would say things like well can I touch your hair is your hair real not you know necessarily thinking that they were doing anything that was wrong they didn't understand but as a black woman you know you don't want someone to touch your hair you're not we're not pets you know you don't want someone to say stereotypical things like I would talk about my son a lot I'm, I'm always talking about my son I think most moms can can attest to that you're very proud mm-hmm. of your kids and you're always talking about your kids but you know a lot of nurses say things like where's his dad around you know just stereotypical comments that hey being a black woman I must be a single mom and then even before George Floyd you know anytime anything will happen in the news with a black man and the first thing someone would say, well, you know, if he just would have complied or X, Y, and Z, not understanding that as a black person in America, we can comply, we can do all the things that we're supposed to do, but there's still always a target on our back. So it's kind of hard. It's also hard to see nurses treat patients differently because of the color of their skin. You know, my goddaughter has sickle cell. And one of the things I remember when she was like seven, she would always go to the hospital because she was in crisis. And I remember a nurse calling Department of Human Resources and Child Protective Services on her mom because she was always in the hospital. And I'm thinking, she, you're a nurse. You should know what sickle cell is. You should know about sickle cell crisis. You should understand how it affects the body and not thinking that, you know, she's not taking care of her kid. My cousin also has sickle cell. My family actually has lots of people with sickle cell. We carry the trait. And, you know, he would go to the hospital and he would say, you know, nurses would say that he he was there for he was seeking pain meds or, you know, he was lying about the way his pain was. That's just, you know, that scenario. But you also look at look at the stats of black women in maternal death rates, look at the stats of, you know, the healthcare disparities amongst the black and um, Latina community, Latino, Latino community. Those are just some of the things that we have to deal with every day. So, you know, you're a nurse. You deal with this every day when you're outside your scrubs and people kind of respect you a little bit more when you're in your scrubs. When you get to work and you're in your scrubs and you have to deal with your coworkers saying these nasty things, making stereotypical comments and things like that. This year's just been super hard for me. It's just so much going on with COVID going on, with all these things going on. It's just been super hard as a black woman. And having to carry that burden and having to go to work and, and still having to kind of function and, you know, even as, as the black community as a whole, we have a lot of issues, deep rooted issues mentally. So not having support is very hard. I've been able to kind of, luckily for me, I have, you know, therapists that I could talk to. I have a great support system at home. I have great friends who aren't black who have come to me and said, hey, what can I do to help? How can I use my platform to help? And so it's been, you know, super 
easy for me because I have I know a lot of nurses who are uh, influencers who are non-black who have used their platforms to kind of shed light on things that are going on. So besides, you know, it's been hard years, also been a very enlightening year as well. Thank you for sharing your experience. I know that that's probably not an easy thing, not only to go through, but to share about. And so I really admire you for being open and honest, not just here with me, but, you know, I've seen you doing that on your your social platforms. And uh, I, I think that this is such an important conversation, especially among nurses. And, you know, a few months ago, I had Tiffany Gibson on the podcast, and we we really dove deep into the conversation of how to be an anti-racist nurse, which sounds like a sensationalized headline, but the truth is there's so much work to be done, not only in the world and in our country and society, but in our profession, as you as you alluded to. And, you know, not only with our patients, who I think that I think that everyone is really quick to kind of make excuses based on science, like there's some sort of genetic explanation for why, you know, maternal mortality in black women is is horrendously high compared to in white women, but not as many people are willing to look at the fact that this is likely a consequence of systemic racism. So this is a conversation that I think needs to be ongoing, of course, but also among nurses, as you mentioned, you know, the different microaggressions that you experienced are all too common. So I'm hoping that you have a couple calls to action that you'd be willing to share with the nursing community and with my audience. Uh, First, I'd love to hear a call to action for the non-Black nursing community when it comes to being an actively anti-racist person and nurse. Oh, yeah, sure. I think the first thing is just to educate yourself um, I know most of us are a product of our environment and the way we were raised and the people we were raised around. But as a nurse, there, there's that's no excuse. You know, we're always supposed to be learning all the time. As we know, healthcare is always changing. You need to get out there and educate yourself and don't just depend on your black friends or your black coworkers to educate you. You need to do it yourself. There are tons of resources that you can use to educate yourself on um, stereotypes, educate yourself on the healthcare disparities amongst um, not, you know, the BIPOC community, educate yourself on how to be anti-racist and then check, check racism at the door, like check it, check, check the, your biases, check the things that you've learned growing up and realize that as a nurse, it's your responsibility. You have a responsibility. You should be accountable for educating yourself so that you can help your patients and be an advocate for your patients the best way that you can be. And if you are an ally, if you are a nurse who before all this has happened and you were anti-racist and you were practicing that, please check the people around you who you see are not doing the same thing. I think as a black woman, I can say all day, that's racist for you to say that, or you shouldn't be saying that. But I feel like if someone who's non-black, someone who's non-BIPOC says, hey, you shouldn't say that, that's racist, you need to check yourself, it kind of holds a little bit more weight. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's excellent point. And, you know, it's it's work that's never never done, whether you are, you know, just starting to educate yourself or whether you're an ally. Like, I think that one of the one of the main points is that you're never done, like you've never arrived and you can't ever say, all right, well, I am now as actively anti-racist as I can be. There's just always more work to be done. So how about a call to action for Black nurses, especially during this very traumatic time? 
Um, one of the things that I can say um, that I actually did with my job was I, I actually emailed the corporate people and I said, hey, what are you doing for your nursing staff, not just nursing staff, but what are you doing for the staff to help us transition through this period, this hard period of time? And they didn't they didn't have an answer and they wanted to know suggestions. So I kind of helped them create um, like a diversity and inclusion. It was basically just a Zoom meeting where we just you know, talked about some of the black staff came on and we talked about how we were feeling and we talked about how we didn't have a safe space. So if you're a nurse and whether you're in the bedside, whether you're in administration, whether you know you're a chief nursing officer, if you're a black nurse and you feel like your company or the facility or organization that you're working for is not addressing what's going on, because you have to think we need to be mentally fit to take care of these patients. And right now, I don't think a lot of black nurses or black healthcare professionals in general are mentally capable right now of taking care of the patient. We've, we've you know, we've buried so much, we've, we've, we've hidden so much. And to the point, you know, you're a person, it pressure bus pipe. So reach out to your administration, reach out to whoever's over diversity or human resources at your job and say, hey, what are we doing to help our nursing staff? What are we doing to help our staff get through this hard time? And they don't have an answer. They don't have a resource. Then you be that resource and you say, hey, I would love to help you create X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you so much for sharing, sharing your story, sharing your knowledge, sharing your feelings. I, I really appreciate your experience and your, your willingness to share, not just with me, but with my audience. So as we wrap up, where can people uh, find you, connect with you, and learn from you? Oh, yeah, sure. You guys, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at The Right Nurse. That's W-R-I-T-E, The Right Nurse. Um, you can actually go to the website, therightnurse.com. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, Portia Wofford. So guys, just feel free to send me a request. You can shoot me an email at hello at pwenterprises.co. And if I can be a resource or help to you, I will do that. If you just want to chat, then I communicate with people, with my audience a lot. I enjoy that. So just shoot me a comment or chat or a message. I'm open to, to getting to know you. Awesome. Thank you, Portia. That's so generous of you. All your contact information and all those links that we've talked about will be in the show notes at theresumerx.com slash 023 will be the specific episode link. So thank you again, Portia, so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.